You may have seen him in South Korea if you were just hanging out in South Korea. He's been doing his thing in LA. Ladies and gentlemen, I want a very loud and raucous, but short, because we gotta get you know to the time. Please welcome to the stage, Albert Escobedo. Thank you very much. You guys all came out, it's fucking awesome. I can't believe it. I blame you guys for most of my problems. I think I do. Like the weather, I blame you guys. Trump's president, I blame you guys. You know what I think happened? Too many of you made deals with the devil so the Cubs could win the World Series. You fucking assholes. You got tired of praying to God because it didn't work for 108 years. You decided to start praying to the devil. I will sell my soul if the Cubs win the World Series. Well, they did, and now Trump's president, so good job. Now the devil is president. Congratulations, Indiana. I'm Mexican. That's what makes me afraid of Trump being president. I am Mexican. I know you guys can't always tell. It's okay for me to be Mexican because people can't always tell. I don't have any neck tattoos. Right? I don't have any kids, no felonies. In my culture, I'm what's known as a unicorn. Very rare, not a lot of us exist. I right, see so you getting comfortable, like, okay, he's funny, I can relax. <laughs> I don't know, man, you guys don't know what it's like growing up Mexican, it's not that bad, it's not that big of a deal. I think the worst part about growing up Mexican is being forced to be Catholic, right? Right, you don't, I didn't inherit any really cool Mexican qualities. Like, I don't speak Spanish. I never stabbed anybody. I'm not good at graffiti at all, but I did grow up with being Catholic. And I think that was really hard for me because I didn't, you know, I believed in Jesus, I was all this stuff. And then I got to a certain age and I went to church and they were talking about Jesus turning water into wine. And I'm like, hang on for a second. There's no way <laughs> that there's a Mexican Jesus turning water into wine who isn't drunk all the time which has got to be hilarious, right? Can you imagine drunk on wine Jesus? That is hilarious. I think about it. I'm thinking like, man, there are probably people trying to talk him out of being an alcoholic. And they're like, Jesus, how did you cure all those lepers last night? And he's like, oh shit, fool, I can't remember essay. <laughs> and they're like, Jesus, I think you've had a little bit too much to drink. I'm gonna have to compensate your sandals. Too drunk to be walking on water. He's like, fuck you, I say, I learned how to walk on water drunk. I walk better on water when I'm drunk. <laughs> Jesus, you can't hook up with Mary Magdalene, she's a prostitute. Oh shit, you're right, homie. You got any cash on you? Mexican Jesus. I would meet that dude. I would worship that motherfucker, right? That's somebody I could relate to. Growing up, Mexican was uh, easy for me. I don't think it was that big of a deal. I had a Mexican family. I blame being Mexican on my parents directly. Directly on my parents. I think it was a better way to grow up. My mom, she's not here. That's fine. My mom is in Argentina with her third husband, so I don't know what love is. No idea. Doesn't exist. <laughs> I love you. Well, you too. Well, you too. <laughs> No, it's cool, you guys, I'm, I love my mom. I'm glad my mom remarried. I'm super glad, because I'm not gonna meet her on a dating website, you know? Which was totally a risk not too long ago. <laughs> uh, is it getting awkward for people that know my mom right now? She's gonna see this. She knows. <laughs> it's not a secret. <laughs> Here we are, talking about my mom. She's not here, that's great. I don't mind, she's not here, I think it's a good thing. Uh, she and I could talk about my child abuse and now feel so guilty. Because <laughs> we're gonna talk about it, we're gonna get into it. And I, you know, this is a lesson to you parents out there. Don't hit your kids, they might end up being stand-up comedians <laughs> and telling roomfuls of people in hilarious anecdotes. My mom was a hitter, right? That's not, not that weird, this is, America, 
a lot of foreigners. Foreigners hit their kids. I don't think that's that big of a deal. My mom was a hitter. I know a lot of people didn't grow up with parents who hit, right? So they can't relate. Some people grew up with timeouts. We call those white people. <laughs> yes. I grew up with timeouts too. They were just a little bit different. They were physical timeouts. Like my mom would hit me and for a time I'd be out. <laughs> Did you break the lamp? Go on timeout. Can't break lamps when you're unconscious. <laughs> I don't know, I don't think it's that bad. I think that you should hit your kids because it made me like strong and resilient. It definitely made me creative because my mom was really creative with her beatings. She'd get like tricky with it, try to confuse me, mix me up a little, a little. She would like beat the shit out of me with a wooden cooking spoon and then later on cook delicious food with it. <laughs> later on I'd be eating the food like, what's in this mom, my blood, sweat and tears? Ironic, hilarious. You got me, mom. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Oh, shit. My poor mother. Oh, well, she's not here. We talk about her. My mom was a full time parent, single parent, full time employee, right? Single parent, full time employee, three kids. That's difficult. Right, it's hard. No wonder she was pissed off all the time. She had to deal with me. She had to deal with me. And, and you know, the real reason was that we grew up poor. That's what it was. When you grow up poor, you're stressed out, you got three kids, you're a single mom, that's not easy, that's difficult, right? So we can't blame my mom for beating the shit out of me. Let's be honest, if she was here right now, she'd probably wanna beat the shit out of me again. And I would deserve it, as I'm sure I deserved back then. She was a single mom raising kids by herself. I shouldn't have given her any problems, but when you're a kid, you don't know any better, and it's fucking fun, right? And I don't, I don't regret any of it. I regret none of it. Because my mom beat me enough to be funny, but not enough to be a magician, right? <laughs> or Michael Jackson, right? So like she was the right amount of physical punishment. So hopefully you guys find that happy medium where they're not jerking off kids or pulling rabbits out of hats or whatever the fuck magicians do. I hope there's no magicians in the crowd. I am not shitting on your profession, but you're probably gay. That's all I'm, that's all I'm saying. Which is nothing wrong with that either, but if you don't know you're gay, come out. Just like the rabbit in the hat, you need to come out <laughs> we all know you're gay. Nobody has that many scarves unless they're gay. <laughs> Where is it coming out of your butthole, you faggot? <laughs> oh, shit. Shouldn't have said that. You're right. <laughs> oh, shit. But when you grow up poor, your mom's not around, right? She's working you end up having to be home alone a lot. But I wasn't home alone. I had an older brother and older sister, right? So I wasn't home alone. I had company, right? When you have company the same age as you, you get into trouble. It's a great time, I recommend it. It wasn't that bad, though. I like my older brother and sister. I grew up really close with them, but I grew up closer with my sister because we're close in age, right? I have an older brother and an older sister. My older brother's two years older than me. My sister's only 10 months older than me. So it's less than a year. They call it Irish twins. You guys have heard this term before? Irish twins, less than a year apart. We grew up really close, and we were best friends for a long time. For a long time, we were best friends, but when you're best friends with a crazy sister, like I have, <laughs> you don't experience the normal shit that kids figure out. Like, we weren't flushing toys down the toilet. That's not what we were doing. One day, I'm in the kitchen having a conversation with her. So we're like 12, 13 years old, and out of nowhere, she comes up to me and knees me in the balls <laughs> as hard as she can. Later on, I find out she just wanted to know what would happen. <laughs> House full of scientists, I guess. Experimenting with shit. Knees me in the balls as hard as she can. So I, I go down, man. I, I hit the ground. I go down like a gold digger on her period. I went down. <laughs> so I, <like> that. <laughs> I laughed when I wrote it. <laughs> I was like, this is good. It's gonna, some guy with glasses is gonna love this shit. So I'm on the ground and I'm like crying. I'm in the fetal position, crying. And my mom hears all this and she comes into the room and she starts yelling at my sister. She's like, Angela, you can't hit your brother in the balls like that. He might not be able to have kids one day. And I wasn't even like angry anymore. I was shocked. I didn't know that you could take away somebody's ability to have children. So I wanted revenge, but I had to wait for the time to be just right. So I waited until she was pregnant and I punched her in the stomach. 
don't fuck with me. Don't worry, it all worked out. I don't have any kids. The baby's beautiful. Hashtag blessed. It all works out. We're all happy people. But when you grow up by yourself like that, well, with your older brother and sister, your mom's not home, you end up doing activities we cooked for ourselves a lot. We cooked for ourselves really often. Not that big of a deal, it's good for me, because now I, you know, I live by myself, I'm a single dude, I know how to cook, I know how to clean. But when I'm six years old, the first time I remember being a little too young to be home alone, right? I'm six years old and we're making breakfast for ourselves. Making breakfast and I'm making bacon in the microwave. Bacon in the microwave. Because when you're ghetto little Mexican kids in East Chicago, you want to eat fucking bacon. It's easy. If you guys never tried it, strips of bacon in the microwave, five minutes, you got bacon. It's great, all right? Five minutes, is that too long? You've done this before. 4.30, man, 4.30. Comes out better. <laughs> Making bacon in the microwave, it's easy enough for a six-year-old to do. I'll put it that way. But what I didn't realize at six years old that the plate is super hot after five minutes in the microwave, right? So I take the plate out and I accidentally drop it and it splashes hot bacon grease on my chest and on my leg. And to this day, I got gnarly scars on my chest and on my leg from the bacon burns. Uh, and I remember the whole thing happened. I remember it like it was yesterday. First thing that happened, I, I scream, Mah! and I run into the bathroom. <laughs> That's how I scream. <laughs> and I'm in the bathroom and I'm putting cold washcloths on my chest and on my leg to like stop the burning. And as I'm in there, I see my brother and sister run from the other room and they're trying to check on me in the bathroom. And they have very concerned looks on their faces because they love me, they're very worried. But at the same time, they're eating the bacon <laughs> from off the floor. Because they're smart, they're older than me. And that's the natural pecking order of things. I get it, you gotta deal with that sort of thing. I don't mind, man. I grew up with a, I think it was an advantage for me to have an older sister that was like my best friend and taught me a lot about girls, right? I learned a lot about women that I wouldn't have learned otherwise, right? So that's pretty fucking cool. One of the things that happened to me when I got a little bit older is I learned that that kind of backfired. Because when I was a little bit older, my mom told me that everybody thought I was gonna grow up and be gay. <laughs> and I was like, I was like 28 years old, it was like my birthday, I call my mom, to say, I'm in Korea, I call her to say like hello, and she's like, yeah, when you were little, we thought you were gonna be gay. I'm like, why, how did this become a part of the conversation? <laughs> and I was like, why, why did you think I was gonna be gay? And she's like, well, when you were little, when you were young, you always wanted to hang out with your sister and all her friends. I'm like, mom, a guy wanted to hang out with a lot of girls seems really un-gay to me. She's like, yeah, but. <laughs> You used to always play dress up with them. <laughs> and they used to put dresses on you and you really liked it. And I was like, okay, mom, I get it. I understand how that seems gay to you, but you didn't understand that at that young age, I was a giant pervert. I was a giant pervert. So when I was taking off my clothes, so were all my sister's hot friends. They were all taking off their clothes and I was like, I'm in, man. I'm, in. I'm willing to make that sacrifice. <laughs> But there, you know, what, what did happen though, I did have to see my sister naked a couple times. You know what they say though, if you wanna make an omelet, you gotta see your sister's tits, man. If you wanna make an omelet, you gotta see your sister's tits. No, it's, I read it in a philosophy book <laughs> that I wrote. <laughs> it's page one. <laughs> Makes me feel better, like I don't have nightmares anymore. <laughs> I don't know, man, I grew up poor, what's the big deal? Grew up poor, that's how all those things happen. When you grow up poor, you gotta deal with shit that normal people don't gotta deal with. I grew up so poor when I was little and my teeth would fall out, my mom would put food stamps under my pillow and tell me that the tooth fairy was on welfare. And I thought that was as poor as it got, I really did. And I thought, you know, I didn't even think that was that big of a deal. I just thought the tooth fairy lived in our neighborhood. And that's what I, and she lived in this shitty East Chicago Harbor and that every kid got food stamps under their pillow when their teeth fell out and that every kid got their older brother's older clothes under the Christmas tree, cause Santa has to pay alimony for the elves that he gets supervised custody of on the weekends. Nobody else heard these stories? <laughs> I told that Tooth Fairy story on stage one time and I get off stage and a guy comes up to me afterwards and he's like, oh, you think that's poor? When I was little and my teeth would fall out, my mom would pawn my PlayStation and say the Tooth Fairy was on crack. Good job, buddy, you won the poor contest, you fucking idiot. <laughs> I 
I don't think growing up poor is that bad. It made me like resourceful. It made me learn how to use the world for my benefit, not for necessary intended purposes. I don't believe in using the world for its intended purposes. I make my own success, right? I know a lot of people can kind of relate. You know, when you're, when you're poor, you use like duct tape to fix everything and you use like a butter knife instead of a screwdriver, right? I use all those things too, but I also don't do laundry. I just Febreze the shit out of myself. <laughs> all the time, just Febrezing, dousing myself, it's great. I know some of you guys think that sounds dirty, I get it, but I thought way ahead of you, I use antibacterial Febreze. <laughs> Kills 99% of germs on contact, and shit smells kinda good. I go to parties, I'm wearing nothing but Febreze, I'll give a girl a big hug, she'll smell me. Albert, what's that fragrance you're wearing? I'm like, oh, this? That's that new shit from France, Fabrizé. <laughs> Works every time, every time. Well, not every time. Let's be honest, works sometimes. You guys looking at me like, nah, that shit don't work. <laughs> that's why you're single, I get it. That's part of it, I'm sure that's part of it. I don't care though, I'm gonna do my thing. If you guys can't tell by looking at me, I'm a bald man. I'm a bald guy. No chick ever said my ideal man is a skinny, bald, poor Mexican. Zero of them, zero people. So I have to be realistic, right? I'm a bald guy. I gotta have a really good personality. That's what I gotta have. Or a six pack, but I don't like working out, so I'll, I'll do this. I'll just have a better person. I don't know, am I kill? I don't know, I'm bald, it sucks. You know what I'm tired of? Women giving me bald man advice. I'm fucking tired of it. So tired. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about, ladies. You don't know what you're talking about. This is what I've heard. Oh, it's because you wore hats. Like, are you an idiot? I never wore a hat until I started losing my hair. Why else would I, if I have an awesome head of hair, why the fuck would I wear a hat? Anybody over 30 who's wearing a hat is fucking bald or going bald. You're not over 30, you're good. Oh, you're losing it. Yeah. Yeah. You, I don't know what you're doing back there. Your gray hair blends with your dark skin tone and I can't tell how bald you are. But you're wearing a hat, so you're bald. I'm 100% sure of it. Tired of the advice, what else do they say? Um, oh, it's from uh, Acid Rain. Or, why don't you wear a wig? Or why don't you try Rogaine? And like, none of that shit works. There's no cure for baldness. There's not a cure for baldness. You know how I know that there's not a cure for baldness? Because there are still rich, bald, white guys. That's how. If there were a cure for baldness, there would be zero rich, bald, white guys. There wouldn't be any. And actually, there wouldn't be hardly any bald guys. Men would sell their houses for the cure for baldness. I would, I would totally sell my house and my car for the cure for baldness. This is what I think would happen. If there were a cure for baldness, all these men would sell their houses. And then there would be like a quadruple level of homeless people in the world. And there'd be all these guys on street corners with long flowing beautiful hair, getting blowjobs, with giant smiles on their faces. Because I think that's what happens when you have good hair. That's my imagination of what my life would be like if I had awesome hair. Smiles and blowjobs. That's all I want. That's all I want in this world. I want, I don't, you know, this is, this is awesome that you guys all showed up. Uh, and you guys gotta know, I'm not famous at all, at all. My goal is to be famous, but how famous do you wanna be? I wanna be so famous that when I come to a place like this, people offer me uh, blowjobs and cocaine. That's what I want. And to say no, but I wanna be offered. I wanna be offered, and I'll say yes, let's be honest. I'll be honest. Why not? It's a party, it's a celebration. Celebration, I don't mind it. I don't mind. I'm bald, I'm skinny. There's something else that I gotta deal with every day, every time I look in the mirror. I weigh 140 pounds. What are you gonna do? I'm a skinny dude. The worst part about it is I try working out to try to not be skinny and nothing works. It's like genetics, right? Or you gotta eat more, but that means money. That I'm not gonna invest in my being overweight. I don't mind, you know, cause I get it, you guys look at me, you can't tell that if I don't work out, I'll start to get fat. That's the thing. If I don't work out, I start to, I turned 33, I'm 33. As soon as I turned 30 and I didn't work out, I started getting like a gut. You know what I mean? Because I drink beer. So you start getting a gut. And I can't have a gut, I'm a skinny dude. A skinny dude with a gut is the worst kind of fat. Skinny fat. Skinny fat, where you got skinny arms and skinny legs and a little belly is the worst kind of fat to be. I look like one of those Ethiopians with the worm belly. It's the worst. And no chick wants to fuck a guy that looks like she can support him for just seven cents a day. Just a mere seven cents. 
No girls. It's like a shit. It's a tapeworm. <laughs> I, it sucks. It sucks. But what happened was, like I said, I turned 30, and your metabolism slows down or whatever. And my back started hurting all the time, so I couldn't sleep at night. So I went, I started, because they tell you, if you work out, your back won't hurt so much. Like your core, they tell you, right? It's true. It's true. But who likes to work out? Nobody. But I go to the gym just so my back don't hurt. I don't care what I look like. I don't care, it doesn't matter. The only thing that really matters if you look, what you look like naked is when you're gonna be seen by the opposite sex, right? It's the only time it really ever matters. So I don't have to care unless a girl's gonna see me naked. So when I'm in the gym, I'm not working out for my back, I'm working out to be fuckable, right? That's about it, I'm working out to be fuckable. That's my squad goals or whatever hashtag people say these days. But I'm going to the gym and I'm not bragging, obviously, and you could tell by looking at me, I am not an impressive person to watch work out. If anybody sees me working out, they're like, who's that bald pregnant lady over there <laughs> with her legs up on the pull-up support bar doing pull-ups like an idiot? That's me, that's me in there trying to work out. I got 140 pounds of man boob and chicken leg. Not impressing anybody, not at all. I don't like going to the gym for one major reason. I don't like being in the locker room with a lot of other naked dudes. I don't like it because I was traumatized in Indiana public school systems where they forced me to shower with a bunch of other dudes when I was in middle school. That shit is fucking insane. Now that I look back at it, that I got yelled at for not wanting to get naked around some crazy pedophilic gym teacher. That one, he obviously wanted to see us naked. What kind of sane man would yell at a boy for not wanting to get naked? That doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. They were all pedophiles. Don't let your kids do that. If your kids do that. Oh, wow. <laughs> Don't let it happen. I just realized how traumatized I am by it, that this is where I'm at in my life, that I'm here with you guys. It's crazy. Can you guys imagine the situation in which it's okay to force kids to get naked? It, does, it shouldn't exist, because you know what happens, right? What happens is these old pedophilic gym teachers, you end up a deposit in their wank bank. That's what happens. Yeah, it's gross. I should have a choice as a kid, right? I should have a choice to go to gym class and be a stinky kid and go back to class and not become a deposit in this guy's wank bank. Because if I'm a deposit in his wank bank, that means inevitably I'm gonna be a deposit in his dirty sock or t-shirt, whatever's in reaching distance of him when he's jerking off. More likely a deposit into his belly hair. <laughs> that he's just gonna let dry and erode away gradually. Because he's a busy man, he's gotta go back to yelling at kids for not taking showers. <laughs> I just turned the room around. They're like, oh, we liked him, and now he's fucking weird. <laughs> guys are all on board for my mother jokes, but now you guys are all disgusted. I don't know. I, I think uh, the last time I was in really good shape is because I was a high school wrestler. So I was like in decent shape as a high school wrestler. And when people talk about being wrestlers, it's not that I'm bragging. It doesn't really mean anything except for when I was in high school, I could beat up anybody that weighed exactly as much as I did. <laughs> And at 103 pounds, I was pretty much beating up girls. <laughs> Overgrown middle school kids. <laughs> but I was winning. I was having a good time. When, uh, wrestling was weird because at, at the time, you know, we're all impressionable little boys and we're taking advice from these guys that are trying to treat us like these athletes that they want us to be as opposed to what we are. And they shout these motivational slogans at you, right? One of the ones that I remember is, pain is weakness leaving the body. Pain is weakness leaving the body. No, sometimes it's a concussion. <laughs> sometimes it's irreversible brain damage. <laughs> pain is weakness leaving the body, that's fucking nuts, man. You know what I think is that that's the mentality for like high school sports, is pain is weakness leaving the body. You force these young boys to like injure their bodies and continue on in their life. So I have a theory that the reason why they want kids to play sports when they're young is so they have 
brain damage, and when they get older, they're stupid, and they still like sports. That's what I think. Not a popular joke in this crowd. I see a lot of sports memorabilia. I don't watch sports. I feel like it's for retarded people. <laughs> it's not real. They make millions of dollars. I'm not gonna rant about this anymore. Shouldn't have to care what I look like, right? I, because again, the only reason why it matters what I look like is because I want to meet a woman one day, right? I don't want to be a 33-year-old single dude. It's not my intention. So I want to meet a woman one day, but I don't like dating. Dating is a fucking nightmare. Dating is incredibly difficult. What I do is online dating. Online dating for me is a little bit easier because it's easier for me to like cancel a date with somebody I never met before, right? And just not show up. That's great. That's like my intention. What I started doing was uh, Tinder dating. How's Tinder in Northwest Indiana? Pretty popular? Not so much? Well, good, because I was on a Tinder date and it was disappointing, shocker, right? I was on this Tinder date, I was out with a woman, we're having drinks, we're having food. Early on in the date, she's like, hey, before we go any further, I'm gonna let you know that I'm celibate. I don't have sex. And I was like, oh, thank you for telling me that. I'm gonna let you know that I'm not paying for none of this shit. <laughs> and she laughed. She knew I was a comic, she laughed. She, she, I was kidding, but I really don't have the money, so I was like, <laughs> we were just being honest with each other. It was an honest moment, it was great. The date continued, we had a good time, we ended up having drinks, a lot of drinks, we ended up getting pretty drunk. And at the end of the night, she invites me back to her place. She's like, hey, I wanna invite you to my apartment, but I need to reiterate the fact that we're not gonna have sex. I was like, that's cool, it's like a hand job or a blow job, I'm not an asshole, I'm not shallow. I'm barely in it for the sex, mainly for the orgasms at this point in my life. It's a lazy joke. It's rolling through, I see that. Some of you guys identify. Totally in it for the orgasm. Sex, I'm over it, dude, I'm totally. I'm a masturbation guy, I'm masturbation motivation. I wanna be the first masturbatory motivational speaker. I wanna be that guy. Basically, I wanna sell porn. Basically, <laughs> I wanna sell pornography. <laughs> I can't help it, man. I'm a single guy. I gotta watch porn. I know you guys... <laughs> I'm glad my mom's not here. I'm glad it's your guys' moms that are here. <laughs> Porno. It's great. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. You don't spend money. You don't get diseases. Nobody gets pregnant. And I love myself. I'm really good at it. I'm really good. I'm like an expert. I'm pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> I recommend it, man. They should teach it in schools. Masturbation education. Teach kids, don't have sex, masturbate, solve all your problems. Solve all your problems. I'm telling you, one day it will be a thing. Where they got dildos and flashlights, what they call them, uh, fleshlights, right? Those things, it'll be in the classroom. Because isn't that a better idea than trying to get them to use condoms? Nobody's using condoms, we're all here. <laughs> Nobody's using them. They're too expensive and they're terrible. <laughs> They should be free. They should grow on trees. They should figure out a way for us to use like banana peels as condoms <laughs> and then just grow bananas everywhere in every, every corner of the earth. <laughs> Especially... <laughs> I don't know. I think that we're at this like age in uh, the history of man where one day we're going to evolve what would you call it classically conditioned to be turned on by the internet. You know what I mean? Like, I, this is my theory, that any man left home alone long enough with the internet is gonna jerk off, right? If a man is left alone long enough with the internet, he's gonna jerk off. I don't even care if people are watching. He's gonna fucking jerk off, he's gonna quit his job and jerk off anyway. Can't help it. And it doesn't even need to be porno. It could be like a, a picture of a hot chick and a dude's gonna, over time, get turned on and off. He's gotta touch himself, it just happens. So I think eventually we're gonna evolve to where men are in the room with the computer and they get boners. And then I think it's gonna get worse than that. The new porno mags are just gonna be like appliances. Like Adobe and whatever, IBM and all these laptops and people are trying to fuck the <laughs> picture of a computer. I really believe that that's gonna happen one day. So man, I don't think any man could even be alone for very long without jerking off. They don't even have to be a computer or the internet. Just a man alone long enough will jerk off. It's a matter of time. How much time you got? They're, just keep watching. They're gonna touch themselves. You guys ever seen the movie? This is twisted. You ever seen the movie uh, 127 Hours with James Franco? Where he's trapped, like he, he goes on a mountain bike ride and he falls into a crevice and he gets trapped between a rock wall and a boulder. He's stuck down there for five days. 
In that five days, he drinks his own urine for survival. He also cuts off his own arm so he can escape. You're trying to tell me sometimes in that five days he didn't jerk off? Sometime during that five days, he jerked off. I'm sure of it. And I'm also sure of that he ate it. <laughs> for nourishment. If he's gonna drink his own urine and cut his own arm off, that is not an extra step. That's part of it. That's part of it. And if he was smart, he'd try to use it for lube and like loose arm his fucking... <laughs> <laughs> and he had a camera down there. He probably filmed it. This is for you, baby. I prefer it, man. I don't like going to bars and picking up women. I don't like doing that, because you got to lie to them. Or you got to have a, like a snazzy pickup line. I'm not good at pickup lines, because I'm like, by nature, kind of an asshole, right? So I can't say anything to a woman that I don't know that isn't semi-sarcastic. Because I don't know her. She doesn't know me. My best chance is to make her laugh. Again, I'm a bald, skinny dude. She's not gonna see me and want me to talk to her. Me approaching any woman that I don't know is automatically creepy. Automatically creepy. So when I approach them, I have nothing to say other than, can I buy you a drink? That's the, all I got, can I buy you a drink? And I don't have money to be buying bitches drinks. <laughs> I can't do that. And I, you know what's the worst? Is when I go and actually get the balls to go ask a woman if I could buy her a drink, and she orders like this, blah, 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 most expensive, crazy drink that I've never heard of on the menu. Oh, can I have uh, daiquiri, margarita, vodka, I want the Tito's. It's like, yeah, yeah, that drink's pretty good. I heard that drink's pretty good, but have you tried the Bud Light? Best Bud Light in town, you should give it a shot. Doesn't work either. I don't know, I'd prefer to jerk off. I told, totally prefer it. Back on porno, you're right. Is he gonna do another 10 minutes on porno? No, 30. No, it's, it's not gonna, well, this is what got me on the porno trip is that I, I read an article that uh, 3D porn came out in China and it outsold all the Marvel, Avatar, and Titanic DVDs of all time. And I thought that was pretty cool. And I was like, man, you know what's gonna happen? They're gonna take it up a notch. They're gonna start having 3D porn in the movie theaters. You know what I'm saying? And it's gonna be awesome. We're gonna have brand new experiences. I'm gonna come out of the theater, somebody's gonna ask me, hey Albert, how was the movie? I'd be like, man, it was fucking awesome. It's like the dude's balls were in my mouth. <laughs> then they're gonna take it up another notch. They're gonna have 4D porn in the movie theaters. And you're gonna have to wear the goggles, not for the 3D effect, but to protect your eyes from the cum shot. <laughs> People coming out of there pregnant and shit. <laughs> Everybody's got AIDS. <laughs> Leave it to the Asians to come out with some cool new shit though, right? I know somebody mentioned earlier, it was uh, Keith, your host. I lived in uh, South Korea for almost five years. I was there for four and a half years. For, for six months, I lived in Thailand. So for four and a half years, I was in Korea teaching English. I was teaching English to kindergarten kids and I was doing stand-up comedy. I was teaching kindergarten kids for uh, the whole four and a half years for the most time. I also taught adults, I also taught middle school. For the most time, it was like six and seven year olds, which is awesome. If you guys have never taught kids, it's great. And the best thing about teaching kids that don't speak English is that they don't know anything about hip hop music. So you can give them awesome nicknames. That's the best part. I would give my kids awesome nicknames. I had a kid that was fat and I called him uh, Big Papa. And he doesn't know who the Notorious B.I.G. is. He has no idea. But it's hilarious, because he didn't like being called Big Papa. He got it. He's big. No kid wants to be called Big anything. But I did it every day. He cried a lot. I didn't stop. <laughs> didn't care. <laughs> One day, he comes up to me. He's so cute. He comes up to me, and he looks up at me, and he's like, Albert, teacher, I don't like it when you call me Big Papa. And I died. And I never stopped calling him that. His name was Chris, man. Chris was dumb. <laughs> Wasn't that smart. Uh, some kids are smart, some kids are dumb. What are you gonna do? When you're a teacher, you gotta figure out, you can't waste your time on the dumb ones. You can't, it's a waste of time. You gotta let them go. It's, it's genetics, I think. And then we have Chris, the kid that I call Big Papa. His name was Chris. And like I said, he was just dumb and it's not, it's not like I made him dumb, he was just a dumb kid. I would like half, I would try to help him, 
but it's impossible to help them. I would come into class some days and I'd be like, okay, everybody, open up your books to page number 35, look at number four, is the answer A, B, or C? Answer A, B, or C. Oh, good job, Hillary. Good job, Peter. Good job, Steven. Chris, is the answer A, B, or C? No, Chris, is not A. No, Chris, is not B. No, Chris, is not A, I already fucking said that. God damn it, Chris, give me your pencil, I'll do it. I fucking go lay down, go to sleep, I got it. And I just did all of Chris's book. His parents think he's a genius, which is ironic, because he's probably retarded. <laughs> and no one will ever know, because I'm lazy. <laughs> Poor kid. I don't know, man, I like teaching kids, I like working with kids. I got, I got to this point in my life where I realized I'm good with working with kids. And there's these, all these situations where you come in contact with children, right? So one time I'm in Korea. One of, one of my favorite things about Korea was public transportation. Because otherwise you can kind of avoid contact with that culture. You can kind of avoid them. But you can't on public transportation. You're right next to them. <laughs> one of my favorite stories in Korea during public transportation is uh, one night I was in a taxi cab. And I was going home from a show. We were drinking after the show. And then I was going home. And I get into a taxi. And the taxi driver asks me to move from the back seat to the front seat because he wants to talk to me. In Korea, the taxi drivers tend to speak a little bit better English because they deal with a lot of foreigners, right? They're taking people from the airport, you know, it's more international for the, ta for the taxi driver situation. So they like to practice their English, totally normal. So when he asks me to move from the back seat to the front seat, I just did it and went along with it. We get to drive and he starts talking to me. He's like, what did you do tonight? And I was like, oh, I was hanging out with my friend, having some drinks, he said. Is your friend a man or a woman? I was like, oh, my friend's a man. He says, oh, you gay, you gay. I was like, no, man, I'm not gay. Not gay, okay? He's like, oh, gay, okay, gay, okay. I'm like, no, man, you're not understanding me. I'm not gay, not gay at all. Not even a little gay, okay? And he's like, oh, a little gay, okay. Little gay, okay. And then he's laughing. He's laughing like you guys are laughing. So I think he's fucking with me. I think he's joking. So I'm like, yeah, I could take a joke. Yeah, me, little gay, little gay. He's like, oh, me too, me too. <laughs> so I sucked his dick and he took me home. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He sucked my dick. <laughs> you didn't see that coming, huh? <laughs> wow, what a sweet story <laughs> about cultural. <laughs> I got engaged out in Korea. I was engaged to a Korean girl for about uh, six months. We were together for a year and a half, but for the last six months of that relationship, we were engaged. Didn't work out. I'm a single guy. We were engaged. We broke up in an event I like to call the disengagement. I think it's super clever. Nobody ever laughs. Proof. Proof. When I was getting engaged to her, you know, I was... Uh, you know, friends with a lot of Americans that are from Los Angeles. In South Korea, there's a lot of Los Angeles Koreans, all right? So they're out there and, uh, you know, I, I get to learn about this Korean culture. I had no experience. There's no Koreans in Northwest Indiana. I didn't know anything about them. So I had to learn about them. And what I learned is that they're stereotypically frugal. They're good with their money, right? Which is not an insult, it's just, you know, it's kind of a compliment. I wish I was good with money, but I'm not. So when I was getting married to her, all my friends were like, Albert, aren't you worried one day she's gonna take half your shit? I'm like, dude, I'm wearing half my shit. Like, so I have a lot of pockets to carry the other half of my shit. <laughs> the only thing she's getting is jokes, shitty jokes about her. That's, what <laughs> that's all she's getting. And then at the same time, when I, was, uh, when I was doing that, I was thinking to myself, well, people started asking me, because a lot of my friends were American out there. They were American, Korean, American, just whatever, Americans out in Korea. And my American friends are dumb, as American dudes tend to be. And they're like, Albert, are you trying to marry an Asian girl so she'll think you have a big dick? I'm like, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Duh. Of course. And that seemed like a good idea to me, but it backfired. It backfired. Because one day I'm with my fiance and she's like, Albert, you have the biggest dick I've ever seen. And I was flattered, but really it just let me know that I've seen way more dicks than she has. Just like, way more dicks. Various scenarios. I don't have time to get into right now, but I've seen them. You blame the gym teacher. So I blame. 
then at that time that I was going to get engaged, like I said, I was out in South Korea, and I was already doing stand-up comedy, and it was going pretty well. The comedy was going pretty well, and we were doing a lot of road shows, we were traveling a lot, and I was meeting a lot of random women at that time. So my friends were like, Albert, why do you want to get married at this time in your life? Just because you're engaged doesn't mean that when we go out that you can see sexy women and not want to take them home and have sex with them. And what I had to explain to all my friends is that I was in love. I was in love, that's exactly the place that I was in my life. I could go out to a bar and see sexy woman and not want to take her home and have sex with her. What I wanted was for another man to take her home and have sex with her and film it and put that shit on the internet so I can go home and jerk off to it like a man. Like a man. Always back to the porno, always. Masturbatory, motivational speaker, I'm working on it. One day I'm gonna be in your kids' schools. That's the goal, that's, that's my squad goal. <laughs> don't mind, man. Korea was great, though. Besides that whole fiance scenario, everything else went really awesome, but eventually I had to leave there. Well, I didn't have to. I knew that I wanted to come back to the United States, and uh, I wanted to go back to work, right? What I went to school for was veterinary medicine. I went to Purdue, I studied veterinary technology, and I knew that I needed to get a job back in the States. So I went to Thailand, to volunteer at an animal hospital. So I volunteered at an animal hospital in Thailand and did a lot of MDMA. Like that was mostly, I was helping animals during the daytime and during the nighttime, I was fucked up on psychedelic drugs. <laughs> but let me tell you, you can talk to animals when you're fucked up on psychedelic drugs. Just the right balance. <laughs> It works out, I'm not even fucking kidding. And, I, and I'm great with animals, I'm great with kids, and I'm sure it has a lot to do with my drug abuse. <laughs> I'm just calm and cool and funny, and kids and animals all like that. I think, I don't know, we'll see what happens. So I'm there and I'm working with these animals, and at the same time, I'm living in this hut in the jungle. Like in the jungle of Thailand, I'm living in this hut. And I've never been there before, I don't know anything about it, but if you guys have never been to a third world country, one of the biggest things that are new to us is the insects, the giant insects that we don't have to deal with around here, but we don't like regular insects. Can you imagine giant insects? The first night that I'm in this hut in the jungle, I'm trying to go to sleep at night, and there's two giant beetles on the ceiling, and I'm talking the size of the palm of my hand, and there's one over here, and there's one over here, and I'm trying to sleep down here, and I can't sleep because I'm worried about one of them coming over my head and dropping eggs into my mouth, right? Yeah, seeing the monsters inside of us, we all watch Discovery Channel. I was worried about that, so I couldn't sleep. Couldn't sleep, so I waited for a while to see if they would move, and they didn't. So inevitably, the hospital that I was volunteering at is where I was sleeping. Because I was a full-time volunteer, I got to live there, and they had like free water and free rice for me. That was whatever, part of the deal. So I go into the kitchen, to get out the raid, the bug spray, right? Going back to my room, beetles are still there, and I douse the shit out of these two beetles, and they fall on the ground like softballs. They were giant. They like hit the ground with a knocking noise that like led me to believe that I did the right thing. And I was like, okay, I need to get rid of these fuckers. They're almost as heavy as I am, right? So they're on the ground and they're still moving a little bit, so I kind of sweep them to a pile and I douse them more with the raid, and then I wanted to you know, make a message to the rest of the insects. So I lit them on fire. And I had a little bug bonfire in the middle of my hut. And I like was arrogant as shit. And I went out and I opened my door to my hut and I'm like, yeah, don't fuck with me, bugs. I'm from Northwest Indiana. I don't fucking, I don't know, they can't fuck with me. So I sweep them out the door and I go to sleep. The very next day I wake up and I have a little bug bite under my eye, my left eye. A tiny, it looked like a mosquito bite. And I thought nothing of it. I'm literally working at a hospital. So I have all the medical supplies I could possibly need, all the drugs, everything that I could possibly need. So I wasn't that worried about it. It seemed like a mosquito bite. By the middle of that first day, it was like three times bigger. And I started to worry, but I'm at a hospital. So I take antibiotics, I take antihistamines, I take anti-inflammatories. I think I'm gonna be all right. The next day, second day, the second day that I'm on this island, my eye starts to get all infected. My lower eyelid, where the bite was initially, super full of like white and full of pus, and it was like bad. And I started to get really worried. So I go to a doctor on this island. 
And I'm like, what should I do? And they're like, oh, don't worry about it. They gave me stronger antibiotics, stronger antihistamines, stronger anti-inflammatories. I go back to work. Next day, it's spread. It's all around my eyes. My lower eyelid, it's my upper eyelid, and it's just full of pus, and it's infected, and the skin starts peeling off on the third day. It's bleeding. I think my fucking face is gonna fall off. I'm at a point in my life at this time where I really thought my face is gonna melt off, and now I'm gonna be an ugly person. That's what I thought. And my, I swear to God, you guys, this is really how I felt. I thought God was punishing me for being vain. That's what I thought. I thought God was punishing me for my whole life thinking that I was better than other people for the way that I look, right? So that's what I was dealing with in my mind. I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna be deformed. I'm gonna be that guy, kids are gonna cry when they see me. I'm not gonna be able to get jobs. And I was just dealing with it. I was just like, this is me, I deserve it. I felt like I deserved it. So then I'm just like depressed, right? Nobody can help me, nobody can help me. And I'm just super depressed. And I have a manager who's, she's British. And she starts talking to me, she's like, hey, I know you're going through a hard time right now. Uh, maybe my boyfriend can help you. He's a yogi master. He's a Buddha. He's a guru. He's good with energy. Maybe he can help you. And I'm like, you know, I don't really believe in that shit. I really don't want to go talk to this douchebag. And she's like, well, you know, we have weed. And I was like, I'll be there. You have what? Weed? I'll be there. So I went. And uh, this is this guy. He's like a 26-year-old British dude. And he's talking to me about energy and shit, and I'm just like kind of ignoring him, just waiting past the bowl. Just give me the fucking weed. I don't care about your crazy ideas. But then he starts talking to me, and he kind of connects with me. He was like, don't you see what happened? Don't you see what you did? And I was like, no, man, what, what did I do? He's like, you disrupted the energy of the jungle. He's like, how do you know? How do you know that those beetles weren't the king and queen of the jungle, and they came there to greet you, and you murdered them? And I was like, pass the bowl. <laughs> You're hogging it. <laughs> and we had this conversation. He tells me that I, this, this is his advice to me. He's like, go back to your hut, apologize, and give them a peace offering. And I was like, no. <laughs> but I went back to my room, and I'm really, like, sad. I'm really sad. I really think that my, like, face is going to fall off. So I start thinking about it and like, what's the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could happen if I apologize and give them a peace offering? So I'm like, fuck it, I'm not that arrogant. Let's see if this works. So I go out into the jungle, open the door. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to kill your queen and king. I don't have anything to offer you guys except for this leftover pizza. It's all yours. And I went to sleep. And the next day, I swear to God, my eye was 90% better. 90% better the very next day. Over one night's sleep, my eye got better. What's the lesson here? Pizza is fucking awesome. That's the lesson. Pizza is the shit. God likes pizza. That's what I think. And I don't kill bugs anymore. That's the lesson I got from that. I don't kill bugs anymore. Unless they touch me, then it's on. Fuck that. I'm from Northwest Indiana. <laughs> Ah, uh, shit, but I was out there, like I said, working with dogs. That was the whole thing, right? I was out there working with dogs. Some cats, but mostly dogs. Like I said, that's what I went to school for at Purdue. I was studying veterinary medicine. So for me to do that internship, well, it was, it was a volunteer job. Uh, but it was great for my resume. And I, I've been working in veterinary medicine for 12 years since I graduated. That's mostly what I've been doing with my time is working with animals and doing stand-up comedy. That's what I do right now. I teach. I teach in uh, Huntington Park in Los Angeles. Any of you guys ever been to Los Angeles? Huntington Park is the most Mexican part of Los Angeles, which is saying a lot. Los Angeles is so fucking Mexican. There are more taco trucks than regular non-taco trucks. <laughs> tacos, tacos, tacos. I like it. <laughs> oh, shit. So I'm working at this job, I work with animals, that's my thing. And you know, I went to school for that. I'm a veterinary technician. Does anybody know what a veterinary technician is? For those of you that don't know, a veterinary technician is poor. I went to school for no reason at all. Wasted all my money on an education to be poor. It's great, I don't recommend it. It's no big deal, I like it. I mean, I feel like uh, I got into it for a good reason. I like working with animals. If you guys never got to work with animals, it's a great job because working with animals is stress-free and at the same time, stress relieving, because you have no idea how much stress you can relieve when you're punching a dog in the face. 
I'm kidding, I love dogs. I love dogs more than you guys do, because I don't have one, because I don't want a slave in my house. Like, all oh, you terrible, I'll get into it, don't worry. Who booed? Let's play this game. Yeah. You have a pet, where is it right now? At home, alone, sad, scared, chewing on shoes, swallowing shit, you're gonna need to go to surgery, you obviously don't have a lot of money, the animal's gonna suffer and die, all your fault. This is my point. This is my point. Yeah, worst case scenario happens all the time when you work in an animal hospital, right? When you work in an animal hospital, all you see is the worst case scenario. So you try to warn people and they think it's hilarious. Anyway, so this is my point, all right? I'm working with animals and this is what people don't understand about veterinary medicine. They think it's like equal to human medicine. So when I say that I'm a poor veterinary technician, people think, why? You wear scrubs, you went to school, you have a degree, why are you poor? Because veterinary medicine is not like human medicine. People don't normally pay for the expensive diagnostics that are necessary for to know what's going on with their pet. It's expensive, and there's no pet insurance. Well, it exists, but nobody gets it, because again, you guys are all idiots that get pets and don't get pet insurance. Should all get pet insurance. Uh, I'm hired, is that what you said? I'll take it. Is this a job? Pay me up front. <laughs> It's not that big a deal. Diagnostics in the veterinary hospital are tricky because they'll try to sell you the expensive shit, but you don't want it. So they're gonna sell you the inexpensive shit that doesn't tell us anything, right? So the most popular form of diagnostics in an animal hospital is the veterinarian putting lube on his fingers and checking your dog's oil. Just feeling around in there for problems. I keep doing this until I get a laugh. There it is. And what'd you find in there, doctor? Oh, nothing. <laughs> $30. We use a lot of lube in an animal hospital. It's hilarious how much KY jelly you go through in an animal hospital. <laughs> Sometimes I'll like go into work and I'll open up the drawer and all the KY's gone. I'm like, man, there weren't even any animals in here today. Like, <laughs> I'll go into the exam room and the doctor will be like, Albert, put on your gloves, get the KY ready. I'll be like, where's the dog? Doctor's taking his pants off. <laughs> that never happened. <laughs> but it's funny. I don't know. I like uh, working with dogs more than cats. I'm a dog guy. Not that I don't like cats. Cats are just really difficult to work with. Have you ever tried to make a cat do something it doesn't want to do? It's impossible. You can't make a cat do something it doesn't want to do. The only way you can get a cat to do something it doesn't want to do is to trap it in a net and stab it with a syringe full of like ketamine or diazepam or bleach or whatever. You can get into that cat's eyes. It's gonna help you out a lot. Cats are the devil, man, I'm sorry. They're just devilish creatures. Everybody's always worried about me with dogs. They're like, Albert, aren't you worried you're gonna get bit by a dog one day? No, dogs are easy. They got one weapon, they got a mouth. You put a muzzle on them, motherfucker, you put them in a headlock, they can't do shit to you. Cats, on the other hand, are terrifying. Cats have retractable razor blades on their hands and feet. They're nimble and they're strong and they're flexible and they start going fucking berserk. And there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you could do to help them. Cats are so terrifying that when you were little, you thought there was a monster under your bed? There was, it was a cat. You thought it was Chucky? No, it was Charlie, the fucking cat and he was gonna slice your Achilles tendon. <laughs> you ever think there's a monster in your closet? It's a cat, trees, cat. Fuck cats. I like dogs, you know what I don't like? It's people who put clothes on dogs. You guys are fucking insane. Dogs don't wanna wear clothes. Dogs don't wanna wear clothes. You know how I know that? Dogs commit suicide. Let me tell you something you never thought about before. You ever seen a dead dog on the side of the road? That's a suicide. Dogs are super fucking agile. Have you ever tried to trip a dog? You can't do it. You can't do it. So what are the chances that this dog didn't see a giant car coming? That dog got out of his fucking sweater. She's like, fuck this bitch. I am done with this shit. <laughs> <laughs> They don't want to wear sweaters. All right, you guys. I'm gonna leave you guys with one more message to take home. Message number one, jerk off, don't have sex. Message number two, don't get a pet unless you fit under one of three categories. 
I call these the three R's. Number one, you're rich. So you have money in case problems happen. Number two, you're retired. So you have time for when problems happen. Or number three, you're retarded and no one else will love you. So you get a puppy. Yeah. That's fine. And it doesn't have to be a mental retardation. Obviously you could be blind or have no legs, you know, some other kind of disability. And you can get a dog, absolutely. Don't get pets unless you have money, time, or you need them to do some sort of job, right? Otherwise, you just got a slave at home that you think is cute, gonna die, <laughs> and you're gonna get another dog. I'm leaving you guys on that awkward moment. <laughs> let's see if I got any good joke that I can end on. Um, I, I just matched my hour, so let's see if there's anything that I could throw in there. Uh, okay, I guess I could do that. Maybe. Wow, I think I did all this shit. No, I got one more. Okay. When uh, I was in Korea, I got LASIK eye surgery. You guys, anybody here have LASIK? Yeah, it's amazing, right? It's a fucking miracle. God damn it, I love it. I can see shit. But I remember specifically, it was hilarious when I went to go get my laser eye surgery because the lady had to give me all these disclaimers about the worst case scenarios. And she's like, oh, one out of 10,000 people go completely blind. And I'm like, all right, what number am I? <laughs> 9,999? All right, no? Okay, great. And then the next thing she says, she's like, uh, if you have the surgery done, you might have trouble seeing in the dark. You might not be able to read in the dark. And I'm like, who can read in the dark? <laughs> When's the last time I curled up with a good book and then shut all the lights off? <laughs> all right. See, I'm glad I didn't forget to tell that one. I don't want to tell that one anymore. <laughs> There's so much porno material here. Anything else? Okay, I'm gonna end on this one. This is something that I really like. I'm sad I forgot to tell it. When I was in South Korea teaching kids, I learned something really important about us, adults, not being kids. Kids are free. They have free minds, they don't have filters, right? They're lucky. They don't have to worry about losing their jobs or getting, getting you know, divorced or whatever the shit happens when you say the wrong thing. Uh, kids have this freedom of their mind and I wish that I had that freedom, I don't. I can't just do whatever I want. I can't just think whatever I want. I have to be like conscious of how it's gonna affect other people. When I was teaching kindergarten, one day I was teaching this really high level math class. Little kids, like six year old Korean kids doing 10, 11, 12 year old American kid math. So fourth grade level math in English, their second language, and these kids are six, all right? So these kids were super smart. I was teaching this one kid, Sam, and Sam was a math genius, but pissed his pants on a regular, all right? Nobody's perfect. So this kid, Sam, one day he pisses his pants, and he starts crying, he's like bawling, and I feel bad for him, and I tell him, like, dude, it happens to the best of us, don't worry about it, and I try to help him out, I send him off to the Korean female teacher, because I'm not gonna change him, I don't wanna see, I'm not gonna deal with that shit. So I hand him off to the Korean teacher and she takes him into the bathroom to change him, right? And at the same time she takes to change him, our class is over and I have to change classrooms. So I'm going from one room to the other. And during that transition, I walk past the bathroom and I see the kid with his pants down and I'm like, wow, that's a big dick for a six-year-old Korean boy. <laughs> and I had that thought and I felt guilty. I felt really bad, like you guys are feeling about me right now. That's how I felt on my inside. The way you guys are looking at me, I was like, I went into my classroom, I felt bad. Like, Albert, what's wrong with you? And I was like trying to shake the idea out of my head or pound it out of my ear. And then I had a second thought. I'm like, man, there's nothing wrong with me. I didn't do anything weird. I had a thought. I just had a thought. I didn't like go into the bathroom and compare his dick to mine. Like, oh, I'm still winning you, little motherfucker. You sure you're Asian? That's pretty big. I didn't do nothing weird. I had a thought and went about my business, right? And so I was thinking to myself, like, this is not a free world. We're not in a free world. We're in a world where I have to police my own brain. I have to think about what I'm thinking, and I have to take my dark thoughts and put them in chokeholds and shoot them in the back or whatever people do to black things. Black Lives Matter. Hashtag. <laughs> It shouldn't be like that, man. It should be a real free world where you could think whatever you want. As long as you don't hurt anybody, you're not doing it, you're just thinking it, what's the big deal, right? The situation should have been different. I should have walked past the bathroom, seen that kid with his dick out and be like, wow, that's a big dick for a little Korean boy. Go into my classroom, get out my sticker book and give that kid the first sticker he ever deserved. 
The only one he ever fucking deserved. Thank you guys. My name's Albert. Thank you very much. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Encore. There's only one more. I got one more. You got one more? I'll do it. Okay, check it out. This is one I also like a lot. Uh, I don't like dating because women are judgmental. That's my problem. Women are judgmental and they don't have to say shit. It's on their faces. All right, this is what happens. I have the most anxiety in my life when a girl's about to see my dick for the first time. All right? Because I'm going to see it on their face before they say a word to me. <laughs> so it doesn't matter the situation. They're going to tell me how they feel about it. So this is what happens. The look that we would like to get when a girl's about to see our dick is this one. That's what we want. But that's not usually what happens. What usually happens is this. But this is what you don't want to happen. This is what you don't want to happen. That was it. Was it worth it? <laughs> was it worth it?